So is this week's like bonus audio just gonna be me coughing for like fifteen minutes? Is that what we're gonna subject them to? <laughs> the opening is just cough, 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 cough. We can do it. We've got enough. We've got enough footage. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're going to be talking about the Ebony Falcon. This is the first episode in the Brave New World post-bet, and it has nothing to do with Jake and Amy whatsoever. <laughs> Which I know was really disappointing for a lot of us when it first aired. Like, I remember being like, oh yeah, more ship watch. Wait, no. Ah, oh, damn it. Grr. I was actually really sad, because like, I really wanted more ship watch. But then again... I don't know. Knowing how the show, the season worked out, I'm actually okay with it. It decided to prove that they'd moved Terry back into the field mm-hmm. by giving him a new case. So the A-plot here is Terry and Jake and Charles have infiltrated a gym. We to... really think it'll catch on if more people infiltrate gyms. Yeah, uh, or if we talk about this one moment a lot forever. <laughs> They're trying to find someone who's like smuggling steroids. He's very, very, very large and dangerous so jake gets nervous that terry is going to choke and die and that his children will become mother having fatherless orphans that's actually a good transit well no let's talk about the b plot the the b plot is that gina's apartment got broken into and holt assigns rosa and amy the only ones who are not buffoons and who are still around (laughs) uh, to figure out the case and make her feel safe again which takes some work. Yeah, Rose and Amy are surprisingly, or perhaps unsurprisingly, unsympathetic to Gina's plight. Not that Gina makes it easy on them. Which I guess is basically the entire plot. You, you, you <laughs> in the A-plot recap, you quoted a lot of, we both quoted a number of lines. And that's actually probably the strongest point about this episode is that there's a ton of one-liners. There's mm-hmm. a lot of individual, out-of-context, quotable lines. It's great. It's not, it's no, I believe in you, but it's pretty good. That's from the Jimmy Brogan episode, Old School. Yes. It's after Jake has been, had a dart in his shoulder, been darted, <laughs> if we're going to go uh, Teen Girl Squad on this. I don't know if we can call it darting, because darting, like, is a thing, but like, in clothes, for girl parts. It's also, like, oh, is it? Yeah, so in order for women's blouses to appropriately fit over their decolletage there's side seams on under like right underneath the arms to account for that area for that for that extra volume those are called darts and Hmm. and inserting those into a shirt is actually a tough skill called darting darting is also a form of movement in which oh yeah in short bursts in unpredictable directions like a pokemon move but now being darted means having had a dart emplaced into you from a distance. I guess the verb form would be to be darted. To ha- to get hit by a dart yeah. would be the, the real actual. world talk speak. I'm really glad we're nerding out over this specific thing. At least we're not talking about different kinds of pole arms, which is the nadir of the geek experience. <laughs> oh no. Although we could talk about... No, we're not going to talk about nodachi. Nodachi are great. And wakizashi. Wakizashi are not pole arms. They're the smallest. That's true. They are the opposite of a pole What arm. are you thinking? <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about weaponry in general. Okay. 
I said we wouldn't, so we won't. <laughs> yeah, we, we stop. No, there are great one-liners in this episode. I personally like the, what is it, Amy's quote about Gina? She's a goblin, a gremlin? I never a get goblin. it A right. goblin. She, and she says she has no emotions. I have some problems with that. Yeah. But, uh... You want to dive into B-plot first? Sure. I think before that we should acknowledge that if the one-liners, when there's a lot of them and we'll kind of pepper them throughout, I guess, are the strength of this episode, the weakness is that there's pretty little plot cohesion. The A-plot and the B-plot never touch. That's true. Hold is the only point of contact between the two. Yeah. And he doesn't really bridge the plots either. He just sort of is present in both. Yeah, he's just setting the goals for both. Yeah. Okay, so the B-plot is mainly defined by the strength of the Rosa, Amy, Gina grouping, Mm -hmm. which is really, really strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, They like using it a lot, as much as any three-person grouping, I think. In any other show, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's mostly useful to compare the density of groupings within the show, Mm -hmm. because it's such an important organizational tool for them. Yeah. So, in this one, we see again how, and let me know if I'm talking too much, we had to re-record the first episode, the first time we did this, because I was coughing too much, and therefore talking too little, (laughs) but clearly I'm in better form now. Hey! Hey. Well, it's it's yay! Oh, yeah, yeah. The main thing we see going on here is how Rosa and Amy will gang up when they sense weakness in someone that they have reason to believe is opposed to them. I was going to say, we see Rosa and Amy once more belittling a civilian. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, a lot of that is in their future. Yeah, but the it's... The most important element of that is in their future, I True, think. But, true. But it all comes back around. Because this is the second time they've underestimated, or just poorly estimated, Gina. Mm-hmm. There is, it's hard to separate the fact that Gina's not a cop from just Gina's general crazy. Yeah, I think that that's not the only element of them underestimating how she's legitimately terrified that her home got broken into. Because mm-hmm. that's Gina's motivation here. She doesn't feel safe in her home anymore. She lost a lot of things that matter to her. And she has no legal means of defense beyond, like, the police, who are, you know, treating her kind of like a joke. Yeah. If anything, it's almost like too much realness because like even as a civilian with slightly better connections than the average civilian, she still has zero faith in her police force. Yeah. And they don't get any of her stuff back, to be fair. It's true. I mean, and she lost a significant amount of money. It was like, what, like $180 in cash. Yeah. A bunch of like treasured personal items. Which, though ridiculous, did cost her a bunch and can't be replaced. Yeah. And also, I'd like to point out that like her point about the knockoff purse is, like, 100% valid. Yeah, um, she She's, had a knockoff designer clutch, which... Uh, they stopped making the label, and so the The label stopped making the original. Yeah. So the, the... I think she actually says the sweatshop in China stopped making the knockoff. And, you know, it's questionable how much... Let's not get into the politics of sweatshop labor right no. now. No. <laughs> or, uh, or really ever. It's way off... The base for our podcast. It's unlikely to become a major theme in the show. <laughs> I think. I mean, maybe, but... Unlikely for two reasons. One, they're based in Park Slope, and so there's not a lot of sweatshops in Park Slope. And two... I mean, <laughs> that's never been the thing that's necessary to discuss sweatshop labor. Maybe we are getting into this now. <laughs> Do you think you have to live next to a sweatshop to care about a sweatshop, are they? No. No. <laughs> 
This is the kind of local politics thing. Oh my god. Can't I make lols? I can't make lols. Come on. Come on. Sometimes my fanfiction is funny. I have standing orders not to discuss your fanfiction. You have standing orders not to specifically out which fanfics I write. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorite lines is, should I get... What was it? Should I get an Uzi? Should I get a gun? Should I get a shot? It was like, should I get a pistol? Should I get a shotgun? Should I get an Uzi? <laughs> the sad thing is, like, I have no doubt in my mind that if Gina really wanted an assault rifle, she could get one. Yeah, I like, my act will be easier for her than getting an Uzi, because, like, yeah. the Uzi's such a specific gun. Is, is it a semi-automatic? It's a little bigger than a machine pistol. It's a really small SMG. Oh, Okay. Uh, it's not a semi-automatic. It's a small machine gun. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah. It's that would like be. it's it's about a foot long, and, and you kind of hold it like this. It's oh. a really, really small SMG. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen those. They almost look like Tommy guns. Yeah, but they don't have a barrel, barrel. and they yeah. aren't as old long. school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that it's no longer the 1930s, they almost look like a Tommy gun. I've seen like the Nerf version of those. <laughs> God bless America. I had a Nerf Tommy gun. I had a Nerf Tommy gun at my old office. It shredded up the bullets really bad. They get really damaged really fast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because of the the mm. pump action. It chews them up. Yeah. There's a lot of things about Nerf that... Anyway. <laughs> I, I I have no doubt in my mind that if Gimo... Gima. Gimo. I have no doubt in my mind that if Gina wanted a semi-automatic, she could probably get one. Like, now I'm plotting out Gina, Bimo, Brooklyn Nine-Nine Adventure Time crossover fanfic. Oh, man. Brooklyn Nine-Nine Adventure Time crossover AU would be amazing. I'm into Adventure Time now. Would Jake be... Jake would not be Jake. You mean the dog? Yeah. I always fuck up which one is the dog and which one is the human, but Jake, Jake would not be Jake. No, Jake would be Finn. Yeah. Then who would Terry be? Princess Bubblegum? What? No. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, Amy would obviously be Flame Princess. I haven't gotten to Flame Princess yet. Oh, okay. Well, suffice to say, Bubblegum never reciprocates. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Terry, that but then, doesn't, doesn't mean... He's so strong. Come on. Yeah, but... Would Char- but Charles isn't really a good Jake either. <laughs> no, actually, work. Charles it is actually work. great Jake. No, because Charles is the most likely to get Lady Rainicorn. Yeah, it totally works. I, I... If Vivian is Lady Rainicorn... No, wait. No, that doesn't work. This, Gina is this Lady Rainicorn, as well as we and thought. Terry is Princess Bubblegum. Terry's not Princess Bubblegum. <laughs> it totally works. Terry is at is probably Rattleballs. Holt is Princess Bubblegum. I'm into it. I'm into it. We need to plot this out no, separately. No, I'm not doing this. I'm cutting this out and making it like a bonus like section. <laughs> like all of this is just going to get cut out. It's just a ringtone. A really, really long ringtone. No, like, you know, I did the... No, I know I, I know the thing. So, I... We were talking about Gina having an assault rifle. We were talking about Gina having an assault rifle. Or an Uzi. Which... I mean, we did... She would obviously try to... We saw her get trying to get weapons certified. And she's not good at it. I mean, the thing about that is it goes towards most illegal thing for her to get. Like, the Uzi is not something you can get unless you're a criminal. It has... No practical application for, I mean, no gun has a practical application beyond killing, but, like, the Uzi is, couldn't possibly be used to hunt. No. It is genuinely, it's... It's a mob weapon. Yeah. (laughs) And again, I have no doubt in my mind that if Gina wanted one, she could get one. Out of everyone on the show, I mean, she is an at-risk youth. (laughs) Oh, man. 
Oh, man. I actually wanted to focus more on how Rosa and Amy are so unsympathetic. Like, it's a little heartbreaking. Like, this is their friend. And they're like, why do you have eight pairs of eight drawers of underwear? You have a faux fur bedspread. Why don't you have locks on your windows? Why are there so many Lycra bodysuits? I mean, at this point, they aren't really friends. That's They're, true. They have a much more antagonistic relationship. That's true. When does um, that change? Is it this episode? It's not done changing yet. Yeah, I see that. It's yeah, They get better this episode, and you see specific moments of them kind of relying on each other, but I think there's still a kind of mistrust and fear shared among them, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like, they will team up on things, Babylon being the biggest example, but there's no Babylon for Amy, I don't think. No, there's definitely no Babylon for Amy. The closest they come is that Christmas card for where Gina and Rosa, or Gina and Amy are working on the Christmas card together. And that's before this, mm-hmm. so... But even like with the Babylon thing, you would it, the way that's like pitched that makes it sound like Rosa and Gina have a better relationship. And yet Rosa is almost well, Amy's definitely more dismissive in this episode. But Rosa's the one who says you have a faux fur bread spread. Why don't you have locks on your windows? Which of Rosa or Amy takes point on them actually coming around and helping Gina? It's kind of a team effort. Yeah, I, I don't think you can say that either one of them is out in front. So I think Amy's convinced first because Rosa's like, no, I want to work through this. Why doesn't? Why don't I have an axe? Why don't I have any of my guns? <laughs> Which of my weapons do I have? Yeah, exactly. Which like that's not more legal <laughs> than what Gino wants to set up. True. If anything, you'd think Rosa'd be like, yeah, get a pistol, <laughs> like NBD. <laughs> yeah, but she's a civilian. That's true. Like Rosa thinks she's RoboCop. Also true. <laughs> Although, if I recall correctly, from charges and specs, Rosa doesn't have pistol certification. Wait, what? So they have the medal- the the ribbons, the uh, medals yeah. on their on the uniforms. And I remember, like, there's one specific one that's pistol certification. Holt has it rather prominently, uh, immediately above his World Trade Center and the American flag. And so does Sarge. I'm gonna say, but Jake does not actually. Uh, but we see them use pistols all the time. Oh, we constantly see them, but pistols are... Well, actually, we, we normally see Rosa with a shotgun. Do we? Yeah, she has a shotgun in Christmas. You're right. And, and I, I think in the training course as well. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think in Tactical Village she has a shotgun. She has a variety of weapons in Tactical Village yes. that aren't just like... All right. Like, Amy has her pistol, and so does Jake, when he's... <laughs> he's like, what? Dual wielding and like jumping? Jumping through the air. <laughs> yeah. I think we should get a little bit more on track. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So the most remarkable part about the B-plot, though, is that Holt is 100% on Gina's side. Mm -hmm. At no point does Holt ever belittle her situation, ever belittle her reaction to her situation. And he's the most sympathetic to her, like, plight overall. Well, so Holt is a senior officer. Mm -hmm. He's seen a ton of civilian complaints. Mm -hmm. He worked PR for a long time. And also, he's married to a civilian. (laughs) Mm-hmm. He has a lot of a lot more sympathy for civilians compared to police than I think is standard. Yeah, and he recognizes the value in Gina, which Amy and Rosa don't. <laughs> it it that's true. I think that last point is what is driving this. Maybe more than anything, I think that last point is the most remarkable. I like how consistent that is. I like uh, Gina and Holt's relationship overall, mm-hmm. and I and I like how Gina's way of sort of showing affection for Holt is is very is very unique, shall we say? Stuff like silver bodysuit, <laughs> the roller skates. 
<laughs> trying to convince him that he's fabulous. Yes. Well, but like we get from the first minute that Gina remarks on Holt in the pilot that she kind of gets him. Mm-hmm. And I like that Holt clearly sort of gets her too. And yeah. that's a nice, like very quiet friendship there that I really, really like watching. And she always, like, usually when she, like, makes a serious call to get something done, it's what he would have wanted. Such like, as... She's a good administ- like, she's a good administrative assistant to him. Is this the one where she throws his thumbtacks in the biohazard bin? Yes! After, after they've been in Scully's foot, yeah. Yes. Isn't it... Wasn't the... So we've been getting some, like, season two stuff recently. Didn't they mention that there's like a whole soap opera in the background about Scully's feet? This is like... I thought that they said that there was a whole soap opera in the background about Scully's feet in the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, this is the commentary about that sort of retroactively. Yeah, he's like, he's got nerve damage and... And they keep talking about it. Like, we see Scully with his feet out a lot, actually. Yeah. Now that I was thinking about it, oh, man, it's the worst. <laughs> so I think that's basically all the stuff I wanted to really cover. Well, I mean, there is the point about the fact that Gina chose not to go to Jake about this, and she's known Jake forever. Yeah, but Jake would either, like, freak out or, I don't know, I feel like she knew she knew that his reaction would be well beyond what she needed it to be. It's true that his reaction to perceiving that Terry might be in danger in this episode <laughs> is insane. Yeah. Like, and the fact that Gina didn't go to him means maybe she knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Could have warned Terry, but... <laughs> But she's much more interested in actively objectifying Terry than yeah, actually yeah. helping him. Of course. Not unlike myself and some of the actors I enjoy. She pro- can't say anything more without outing you, but you got some weird tags. <laughs> 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 Moving right along. Yeah, like Jake would either... She didn't want to have Jake thinking that he had to protect her. I don't think Jake would know how to protect Gina. Oh, obviously not, but he would try. <laughs> That's true. Jake doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> Let's transition into that. Okay, so Jake doesn't know how to do anything. Are we bringing back Jake's the worst? No, it's not the worst in this episode. I mean, <laughs> his he reaction is, is the worst. Coincidentally, the worst in this episode. But like, <laughs> this is him actually trying to do right by Terry. Yeah. In a completely stupid bullshit way. Yeah. I mean. So I feel like so earlier you mentioned that like you you felt that Jake Jake was worried that Terry would uh, like die and then have leave his children fatherless motherless mother, mother having, having orphans yeah and I I actually was thinking about this and I don't know if it's like I I think Jake's actual fear is that is not that Terry isn't able it's that Terry will die mm-hmm. and I yeah. think that's a careful distinction to make because yeah. I think Terry's belief is that Jake thinks he isn't able. Right. Jake's fear is that Terry will just not... Will die anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, anyone can die. Yeah, exactly. The the Jake is very clearly suddenly confronted with the mortality of his colleagues in this, like, sudden instance. Like, he has all of Terry's freakouts from before he got his shit back together. Like, it doesn't matter how competent and able Terry is. Mm-hmm. And he clearly is. Mm-hmm. He just, like, could still get shot. Mm-hmm. And that's an unacceptable result. Mm, to, ter- to, to, to Jake. Well, also in general. I mean, yeah. yeah, obviously. But, like, it's also one of those things, like, that's a risk that, you know, Terry's come to sort of accept and, and, and live with. And, and that Sharon explicitly says in The Bet is, like, something that she's also had to come to terms with. But she loves him enough to know that he wa- like, this is his passion. 
Also, like, all of Jake's friends are taking this risk all the time. Yeah. Jake doesn't have anyone he cares about except his mom, who, and Gina, who isn't in the field. Yeah. Uh, there's no one. Every one of his friends is, is constantly putting themselves in harm's way. Any of them could be shot at any time. Mm-hmm. It's really the kids, like seeing Cagney and Lacey, that triggers this in him. Yeah. It's, it's a consequence on children, civilian children, that, that fires him up and makes him crazy. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, this is kind of a stretch for his daddy issues. Not that yeah. it's a stretch on the show writing, it's just a far leap. Because his dad didn't, like, die in the wars or something. <laughs> no. He fucked off. Yeah. And, like, unless unless Jake's dad was a cop, which I really don't like that. No way. Uh, no. I mean, he just abandoned his responsibilities left. and left. Yeah. He just straight up left. And, and, you know, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, we know that Terry's a responsible dad and is always trying to do right by his family. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that almost would make... I don't know if that, like, make, exacerbates Jake's reaction... I get that. I think that that what's happening here is that Jake realizes that Terry is the dad he would have wanted, and therefore he can't. Nothing bad can happen to him Mm. ever, right? Yeah. Like, because he does have. It would be easier if he were like Jake's dad. Oh yeah. Because like he could deal with that. Jake's dad's scum. (laughs) God, I really can. Can we take an aside for a second? Or another second, I guess. Gatto, or she's she goes by Peralta Zigos on Twitter. She made the very excellent point that Falula Tonks, Rechna, sent my way. Which is, I at no point want Jake's dad to have a redemption arc. Oh, yeah. Zero, zero desire to see that happen. Yeah, I mean, like... Like, sometimes dad are, dads are just bad dads. Also, we've got, we've got enough. We've got enough bad white dads. Like, there's plenty. You can find them on every television show. I, I just I don't I don't care. Yeah, I would much rather see I want to see Jake's mom if yeah. anything. Yeah, like I really want to see her and like learn more about her. Some of my favorite scenes on Parks and Rec, for example, are the scenes with Leslie and her mom, like sort of bonding. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see that. I want to see like a really positive like mother son relationship where she's not like. I think it was Seinfeld where like his mom's just like, No, uh, I don't I don't wanna see the everybody loves Raymond kind of mother son relationship where she's just you're, like you're way out of my zone of experience now. Sorry. The stereotypical like sort of doting, usually mm. Jewish mom on TV where she's like, Oh my baby <laughs> Like, I don't want any of that. Yeah. Like, I want I zero parts of me want Jake to have his dad come back onto the show. Yeah. And like him have to deal with that. In any way, except maybe in the way that Criminal Minds did it. Yeah, okay, I know. I'm outside your experience again. Where like, I mean, you're talking about TV, so. <laughs> where it's like, where uh, one of the characters on Criminal Minds, his name's Spencer, his dad just straight up walks out on him when he's like eight, maybe nine. Okay. Because Spencer's mom is like bipolar and she's not good about taking her meds and, and Spencer's like a gifted like genius child and it's just too much for him and he does the shitty thing and leaves and he's he turns out he ends up living like one town over but like never calls never comes to visit it's the worst and so all throughout the all throughout the episode where his dad comes back the team's like hey are you sure you don't want to like try to reconcile with your dad he's like nah and the team's like all right cool we're gonna support you and your decision because you're a fucking adult and you get to make these choices yourself i feel like jake would try though 
Jake would totally, Jake would totally try. Either way, I don't want it to be the way NCIS did it, which is Tony's consistently like, my dad's the worst. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. And then his dad comes back and he's like, Tony, what do you mean your dad's the worst? Your dad's the best. And Tony's like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. There's no way they would do that. I really, I know they won't, but like. Like, if anyone on the squad was doing that, like, there would be a really good scene with Holt where he's like, no. (laughs) Come on. I almost want that just for that. He's like, you're under arrest. <laughs> but still, I'm... I, it would be great if Holt cracked the case that turned out his dad was a criminal. He's like, this man is under arrest. You have a better family. <laughs> oh. But no, I do want to see Jake's mom. Because you mentioned that even he, she is probably the only person in his life that he cares about that isn't a cop. Or Gina. Uh, yeah, or Gina. My Gina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, okay, back on topic. It is It is interesting that it takes Terry being like, I love you both so much, and I just want you to know that I'm never going to, like, blah, blah. And, like, and that's when Jake's like, <gasps> and, like, has the moment where he's yeah. like, oh, no, everything is terrible now. Can we talk about Boyle standing up to his bullshit this episode? Oh, man, Boyle was great in this episode. And this is the first episode after the bet, which is when I finally started liking Boyle, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this episode is... It's really easy to like Boyle in this episode because he's standing up to Jake to a certain extent. He's got a lot of the funny lines. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, or his wife, or his, his relatives, or his more... Or his more mature friends, which is the best. But, but sure, it, good, interesting idea. <laughs> but also he's completely separated from Rosa. Completely. Mm-hmm. They don't think about each other at all. So, good job. Like this is probably also this is this is the first in a sing, like a quite like numerous run of just like Charles Jake team up episodes too. Uh, this one full boil fancy breadgum. Yeah, they're clearly the secondary partnership. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's nice to see them sort of get like working on their friendship, and this is a good stage for Boyle too. Yeah, yeah, because he's not focused on this. There's a lot of quiet support, but also Boyle isn't rolling over to him. No. And, and Boyle's like, are you sure you're doing this right? Like, are you sure you don't want to tell Terry about this? Are you sure that what you're doing isn't bullshit? He's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're the primary. <laughs> Which is such a difference from, okay, Jake, whatever you want. I'm the primary, but whatever you want. Yeah. This is him being like, as your secondary, you're full of shit. <laughs> Go ahead, but... <laughs> I'm going to at least do the responsible thing and point out you being crazy. Yeah. But if you're going to continue to be crazy, I'm going to be right here. Yeah. I'm going to be over here. Over there. I'm going to be over there making cucumber water and putting all of the trainer schedules in a shared Google spreadsheet. I really hope that, like, Boyle got some credit for that. I know that Jake got the solve, but Jesus, come on. Like, Boyle did a lot of that legwork to make that happen. Yeah, Boyle deserves a raise. Boyle deserves a lot of things. I'm glad that I'm glad that the aside from Holt and Terry, Boyle is actually the most decorated detective. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I guess he does have uh, he straight up wins a with medal, the medal of, of valor. valor. Yeah, Jake might get a distinguished service award for something from, like that from the government. Yeah, but that doesn't quite translate into a civilian award. The mm-hmm. city might give him one because it's a. In theory, the Ianucci family is mostly active in New York, but still, he might also get a medal of valor if he gets shot up. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I, I think probably not, but... I think that's what fan fiction's going to say is going to happen, and I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. Fair. If nothing else, because 
<laughs> the show's been pretty good about being consistent about stuff. And a gunshot wound is a long recovery. Mm. It's a long... Fi- I mean, Boyle has... It's like six weeks for Boyle to recover. And that's... Like, in show... If, assuming that every episode it takes place over the course of a week or so. I mean, he's back... He's also back in the field in Ebony Falcon. This is first field work episode after the bullet wound, and that's four episodes later. But there was a long break with Christmas and everything. Oh, right. So assuming that in-show time is keeping up with real Makes time. Sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like four to eight. It's like six to eight weeks between Christmas and the bet, and he's still got the cane in the bet. Yeah. And, and like a serious wound would be a serious recovery process. So yeah, Boyle's great in this episode. Boyle is super great in this episode, and and I'm glad that his character improves consistently through to the end of the series. It's interesting Season. how we see what he ought to be doing in this episode, which is middle managing, putting things in the spreadsheets and having small ideas that he's allowed to implement. Isn't that Terry's job? Yes, he should have Terry's job long term. He could, but honestly, he should be a sergeant. He can't yell at anyone or intimidate anyone, which is a downside to being a sergeant, but. Like, he, he will not be able to scare any police men into line ever. True, but he actually would be probably great at being a Sarge for the, the patrol cops. Maybe. I mean, I think that really what he should do is go into one of the special divisions and have some kind of informational management role there. Like Otto or Pawn? Um, not like a data analysis desk job, because like, he seems to actually want to do field work. Yeah. But, like, something where he gets to coordinate things. I mean, what you're describing is basically what Freeman does on The Wire. A lot of information gathering and, like, putting together, like, paper trails. Mm-hmm. But, like, I see him I see him managing, basically. Yeah, that's true. Freeman is pretty much, like, rank and file. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's really interesting. I could see that. I, w- I could actually see Boyle trying for his three stripes to get the Sarge. Yeah, that would be an interesting arc. That would be a really great arc. Hey, show. <laughs> Free idea. Long term. Pay us. <laughs> no, don't pay us. I... But get someone on the show. <laughs> no, let me run the social for the show, please. So, yeah, I don't know. I really liked Boyle in this episode, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad he becomes generally more palatable as the season progresses. Yeah, there's still, there's still unexpected valleys, but... There's more hills than them, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else was on there? Well, I think we're free to squee about how cute Cagney and Lacey are. Oh my god, those kids! Somebody at the door! And I, like, had, like, the first time I saw that, because we hadn't been watching them together yet at that point. Yeah. And the first time she goes, somebody at the door! I was literally at my desk. I wasn't at a desk. I was in a conference room at work, eating lunch, like, all by myself. And um, I refrained from singing the song. I deserve kudos for that. And the girl goes, somebody at the door. And I go, I literally paused the video and just went, like, screaming noises at my laptop. And, like, <laughs> it's not even, like, Tumblr tag screaming noises. Like, legit, like, ah, oh, my God. Like, I was, like, I had to put down my, like, I had to put down my salad and just go, like, ah, and, like, vibrate for a second. It was so great. So cute. So cute. Oh. So cute. Oh, my God. Small humans. Tiny humans. <laughs> Tiny humans, as, as my friend Broadly Brazen Dara would say, tiny humans. Ah, they're so with their just as Holt as they have their adorable chubby cheeks. Yep. Ah, ah. Are those the same girls who were in that picture too? By the way, probably. Probably. I mean, like it's an easy piece to keep consistent. Yeah. Yeah, and they're in it for like a second, so there was probably no reason to have multiple twins on set. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I don't see why not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I need to add anything to that. So cute. So now we've met enti- we've met Terry's ent- we've met a lot of Terry's family actually. Yeah, we have. We've we- met enough of Terry's family to make up for the fact that we've met none of anyone else's family. I really hope that they cast Tyler Posey as one of Amy's brothers. I would love that. I know you do. Is Teen Wolf stopping at some point? I think they're going to go for five seasons. How many do they have? They're in 4B right now, I think. Oh, okay. We had a title drop in this episode, didn't we? I'm ready to get back in the field. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we got it from. And various places, like. But this arc is where we got it from. This arc, yes. But I mean, I specifically think... I think specifically whenever I, when I hear back in the field, I hear Sharon's voice saying, are you back in the field? <laughs> yes, we are. Ha ha. What else do we want to talk about? Um, gyms? I've got checkmark arrow sign gyms. Jake tap dances. Oh yeah, let's talk about, we had a great bit in our original recording about how Jake can tap dance. Yeah, he took years of it. Yeah, at least three. Well, definitely three years of tap. Yeah. But probably something else before that. Because tap is something that you segue into from a different kind of dance, yes. generally. You, your sister's a dancer, so that's how you know yeah. this. Yeah, she took a little bit of tap as one of the many things she did while also doing ballet. Mm-hmm. Do most people come in to dance in, from ballet, like just directly? It's the most common entry route for little girls to dance, I think, across some demographics, mm-hmm. obviously. Because, like, ballet's really expensive. Yeah, um, the shoes alone. Yeah. At least where where my little sister went, there was a dance school that was mostly ballet, but had side classes in like tap, tap and, and jazz, jazz and modern, modern and stuff like that. Yeah, and you all, know, almost all dancers I know started in ballet and then transitioned into whatever their specialty ended up being. My yeah. personal trainer is a dancer; she is an MFA in dance. Our speculation is that Jake probably ended up at dance school because that's where Gina was all the time, and mm-hmm. he was bored one summer. And his mom was like, I don't know, do what Gina's doing. <laughs> like, but mom, she's at dance school. And he's like, fine. <laughs> do you understand how many more women than men there are at dance school? Jake's like eight and couldn't care less. I don't know. Like, that is the line they try on eight-year-olds because of heteronormativity. <laughs> that is true. Most male ballet dancers, and this is another thing, enter ballet much later in life than female ballet dancers. Most female ballet dancers start when they're like five or six, if not earlier. Whereas most male dancers enter at the beginning of their like teenage experience. Mostly because they have a sister or a cousin or a friend who's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get forced to attend classes with her. Yeah, and then they, you know, some of them end up liking it. Get suckered into it, yeah. And it's in- I'm sorry, get sucked into it. I yeah. should be very careful about that. Yeah, it's a completely different thing. Yeah, I didn't mean that. The I meant sucked and said suckered, and I felt bad, like, immediately. Yeah. And there are as many professional positions for men and, like, ten times as many women who want to do it. Yeah. So. We talked in, in our original recording a bit how that's similar to how it is in, in, in singing, in, mm-hmm. in musical theater especially. And the two are... They're, they it's the way it is on a lot of, maybe all the creative arts. Maybe not visual arts, but like it's, probably, it's the same in acting, I think. The ratios are less massively skewed. Yeah, there's definitely more... There's more acceptance for, do, for young men doing theater... In general, like not musical it theater, has, but it acting. has a less. It's the stigma is is less deep. Yeah. There, but you know, still exists. Yeah, and I mean, like Shakespeare and stuff. Like, there's 
There's a sense of like class to it, I guess. Not that there isn't for ballet, but just like ballet has been so feminized, Uh, which is weird because like I have friends who grew up in Eastern Europe and it's not the same. Not the same vibe? No. Well, I mean. Different traditions, but yeah. Yeah. There's a huge amount of ballet talent in the entire Eastern Bloc. Yeah. Because that was one of the areas in which Russia was trying to beat the West. There's, I mean, there's also just a, a long history of yeah. modern ballet developing in that, Russia. That too. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I, I do like the headcanon that, like, <laughs> Jake's mom was like, Nana's taking Gina to dance, and you're going with them, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> you're going to sit in that class. I don't care if you dance. I don't care if you just sit there and play cards. You're fucking going to the dance studio. I <laughs> don't have time. <laughs> we were going to talk about gyms. I don't know how we were going to talk about gyms. Gym filtrating? I think we already made that We covered that. Yeah. That old man. (laughs) You're cyberbullying me. That is one of my favorite lines from this. Like, an episode filled with one-liners, and that's probably the standout line. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Sir, you're so misinformed. (laughs) And then Boyle, like, being like, Jake. Why am I getting complaints about you? I'm going to suspend your membership. Right? And Jake's like, you're getting way too into this. Well, that's been Back in the Field. I'm Carl. My name is Arthi. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.